are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32 is a verse that you don't normally associate perhaps with an old-fashioned leather lung, rock rib fundamental, Bible-believing, gospel-preaching, narrow-minded preacher. But this is every bit as much part of what we're supposed to have in our lives as the rest of the Bible. And it says in verse 32 of that chapter of Ephesians, And be ye kind one to another. And then in case you don't understand exactly what the Lord's getting at there, he adds another word just to enhance the meaning. He says, tenderhearted. Have you ever met someone with a tender heart? I mean, you can talk to them about something that's even remotely um, touching and they'll have tears in their eyes. I'm, I have the privilege, and I, I love it. I, from uh, 8 till 10 on Thursdays, um, when I'm in town, I have the privilege of, of uh, teaching a class called Professional Communications. Now, that I don't really know if we're living up to the title of the class or not, we're having a good time in there. And one of the, uh, one of the exercises I'm having the young men and young ladies do, to, matter of fact, we started last class period and, and it carried over into today, was to think about an extremely emotional time in your life. It could be a happy time, a sad time, a bewildering time, a disappointing time, but an emotional time in your life, and then collate it together in form of a speech and, and then get up and deliver it. And almost without exception, everyone who's gotten up there and began to uh, deliver that speech ha have ended up weeping. Everyone. And by the way, no one looked down and thought, "Wow, they're weeping. What? You know, they're they're kind of you know, kind of limp-wristed kind of guys or uh, emotional women." No, because we 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 all, as we heard the stories unfold, we understood where they're coming from. There there's something to be said about a man of God, a lady of God who has leadership ability, who incorporates into that leadership, this verse right here, being kind one to another, tender-hearted. I was the monitor of a dormitory when I was in, uh, at Maranatha Baptist Bible College. What that meant was I was supposed to keep order in the, in, uh, in the dorm that I was in charge of. Had to make sure that uh, all the guys dusted their dressers and their beds were made before they left in the morning and at least most of their shoes were put away in the closet, not just the middle of the floor. And if they did not have their laundry all done and clean and fresh, at least it was hidden out of the way so it wouldn't gross everybody else out in the, in the dormitory. And uh, I, I came in one day and walked into one of the rooms there. I was going in to talk to some of the guys in there about something. And I saw one of the fellows there was what was not time to begin packing to go home for holiday time, though we were approaching Christmas season. I saw this young man in there, and he was packing his suitcases. Had them all out on the bed and uh, had, had the, the, the uh, drawers open on the, uh, the chest of drawers. And, and he was packing things away in his uh, suitcases. 
And I said, Jim, what are you doing? He said, I'm leaving. I said, no, you're not. You mean, are you getting, you're getting ready for, for holiday already, Christmas? We're in another week or so. We're going to be leaving, going home. And he said, no. He said, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm quitting college. I said, why? You, you can't quit college. You're not supposed to quit. Well, why are you quitting? And he said, you know, he said, I thought things would be different here. But they're not. It's just like it's always been my whole life. He looked at me and he said, I know I'm not the brightest guy on campus. He said, I know that I'm maybe, some would consider me a little bit maybe mentally handicapped. He said, but I was told if I came to this college as Christian, be staying with Christian guys, that though maybe I, I wouldn't get a normal kind of diploma, he says, and I know that. He said, I find people are just as mean here as they are anywhere. I said, what, what, do you, what, do you, what do you mean? He said, uh, so I'm kind of embarrassed about it. I said, don't be embarrassed. I said, man, I love you. You're my buddy. You're my friend. We're from the same state. I'm, I'm, man, I'm pulling for you. You don't, you don't have to be embarrassed talking to me. He said, well, I was, have been saving money trying to buy my dad a Christmas present. I don't have a lot of money. Don't, don't, my, my job isn't real high paying. I'm just barely able to keep things going in college. And he said, and I had some money. And he said, and, and a couple of the guys here in the dorm got together and, and they, they told me that they had some things that my dad would probably really like. And, and they sold it to me. He said, there's this, this bottle of cologne I have right here. He said, I, I bought this for my, for my dad's Christmas present. He said, and I have, have these gloves here. He said, and I, they, they, they said there was this special kind of popcorn this guy's uh, grandfather or uncle or somebody raises. And I got this container of popcorn. And he said, I, I was excited. I bought it. He said, took all the money I had. He said, and I bought this stuff. He said, then just, just this morning, he said, I heard them. So they, they didn't know I could hear. So they were down the hallway in the room and they were, they were laughing at me. So I felt like such an idiot. He said, I know I'm not the smartest guy. And he said, and I'm a little embarrassed about it. I said, what happened? He said, that, that bottle of cologne was empty. And we're down towards the end of the semester and the guys had used up most of their cologne. And so what they did, they, they took the rest of what was in their their clonus, maybe a little bit like this, maybe that much in the bottle, or maybe just a little just a little drip here and there. And they, they put it together, poured it all in one bottle, and put the lid back on it and sold it to me as something my dad would like. He said, and these gloves. He said, they sold me a pair of gloves, and I bought them. And he said, they, they said, now your dad is right-handed, right? And I said, well, yeah, my dad's right-handed. He said, well, then he's going to wear out 
the, the, the right hand glove faster than he's going to wear out the left hand glove. We, we, act, we, we actually have another one that goes with that. Why don't well, we'll say you two right hand gloves? And your dad would be really impressed that you did that. He said, and I heard him laughing at me. Yeah, stupid idiot sold him two right handed gloves. What an idiot. He said, in the container of popcorn. He said, we were able to, to have popcorn. And he said, apparently, I overheard them laughing at me and mocking me. They had saved all the, the, the popcorn that didn't pop. Ate the popcorn that did and, and the stuff that didn't pop. They poured it all together in this thing over the semester. And they said, and they had this whole container full of the stuff that wouldn't pop. And told me it was something special from their grandfather or aunt or uncle or somebody or on a farm had raised. He said, you know, they're, they're no different than everybody else that made fun of me all through elementary school and junior high and high school. I just don't want to be here anymore. Now, those guys that did that probably did not intend to be vicious or wicked or hard of malice. I know that they got together and laughed. Hey, man, we poured all of our stuff in. Oh, isn't that funny? Ha, ha, ha. And we sold him two stupid right hand. How stupid can you be? We actually got him to pay extra money for another right-handed glove because his dad was right-handed. Ha, ha, ha. Wait till he tries to pop that popcorn. Yeah, special. Man, he's so stupid. I wonder whatever happened to verse 32. Those guys probably had their doctrine right. Matter of fact, I know the guys that did it, and they had their doctrine. They, they believed in all the same stuff you and I believe. But whatever happened to being kind? Whatever happened to being tender-hearted one towards another? Whatever happened to being a Christian where you saw somebody having a tough time and you went over and wanted to help them? Whatever happened to finding out that somebody, somebody's heart was broken and you actually even cared? And it wasn't like just hearing a news report, ah, okay, and you go to the next station or, or the next headline on the newspaper and it means nothing to you. Whatever happened to that? couple of reasons why we need to be kind. A couple of reasons come to my mind why we need to consider this thing of being tenderhearted one towards another. You never know when that's going to come back. Like casting your bread on the water and it comes back to you again. You never know when that's going to come back like that. I am so sick and tired of people being condescending one to another. And, and I'm up here and you're down here and I'm important and you're a peon and and I'm a brand name person, and you're a no name person, and and uh, my daddy's this, and your daddy's not, or my, I'm this, or you're, or I can do this, and you can't do that. Where did that come from? Show me in the Bible where that came from. My buddy Den Carroll and I were working in the kitchen at the Bible College, 
And my job was, there's this huge giant kettle in there that they made uh, like soups and gravies and different things that they served the student body. And uh, I had this big old giant thing almost looked like an oar, and I, I would, I'd stir that stuff up and had a few other things going in there. And uh, my buddy, Dan Carroll, had another job. And we noticed this girl that came in. Her name was Dorothy. She, she uh, walked over to this uh, tray, and uh, it, it was kind of heavy. I forgot now exactly what was on there, some food item. And, and she, she went to pick up that tray, and when she did, about right here in this part of her arm, a big, old, a big old thing jumped up in her arm like this. And I, I looked, and, I mean, it was noticeable. She, she lifted, and when she picked it up, and, and the muscles contracted to help her pick up that item, uh, th this thing, like, like inside of her arm, pushed up uh, like, a, like a needle or, or, or a stick or something in there. And I looked at that, and my buddy didn't care at the same time. He, he had, he had witnessed the same thing, and he said, Dorothy, what in the world is that? And she said, oh, I, I don't want to talk about it. He said, no, 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 I, I saw you pick that thing. What, what's, what's wrong with your arm? She said, you know, I don't talk about it much here. She said, I had a, I had a, rough, I had a rough upbringing. My mom was a single mom, myself and my two sisters. And my dad left us when, when, when we were just young. My mom really hated me. I don't know if she resented me because of something between her and my dad or something. I don't know why, but my mom literally hated me. She said, I came home one time and, and my, my homework had not been what it should have been and I didn't do very well on it. And my mom began to scream at me and curse at me, obviously not a Christian home, began to scream at me and curse at me and call me names and and she flew into a rage, and, and she, she looked around, and she was standing in the living room over by, by where she did her sewing, or the sewing machine was over there in the corner, and she just reached down, and she grabbed this needle uh, that was there on uh, where, where her sewing machine was, and she rammed that needle straight into my arm, stabbed it all the way in. And she said, it's just been there ever since then. It healed over the top of it, and whenever I... I pick up something, it, 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 it stabs up like that. We, we, we looked, and I could, I've never heard such a thing. I, I looked, and I saw on that same arm, right over in this area, there, there, was a, there was a scar about maybe an inch wide like this. I said, well, Dorothy, what's that scar there? She said, well, I went to school, and she said some of my friends were talking about getting their hair cut. And one of them said, Dorothy, you ought to get your hair cut. It looked nice. She said, I was just a little girl. I was about maybe 10 or 11 years, years of age. She said, I listened to them. I thought, well, okay. And they said, oh, you, your mom would love you. Come on, new hairstyle. said, of course, like all, a lot of little kids in kindergarten, first and second grade, those little blunt end scissors, and some of you probably done the same thing in here at one time in your lives. And said they, they, they took those scissors and they, they cut my hair. So when I got back on the bus and rode home, I got off the bus. My sisters, who were younger than me, they were twins. My sisters saw me there, and, and they said, Oh, you got your hair. Mom, you are in so much. Wait till Mom sees you. So and then I realized maybe those girls were wrong. Maybe my mom wasn't going to be proud. Maybe she wasn't going to be happy. And she said, I, I went into the house, and she said, My mom looked across the room at me, 
and she saw my hair and she began to scream and curse at me and call me names and I can't trust you and let you out of my sight and look what you do. You're so stupid. I can't believe I have a daughter like you. I hate you. And she said she flew into a rage and she grabbed a butcher knife off of the kitchen counter and she threw the knife at me. She said, and I just instinctively raised my arm and said, stabbed in my arm. Stabbed me. Said shortly after that, I went to my pastor. I was riding a bus going to church. I went to my pastor and I explained to him what was going on. And he talked to the authorities. And my pastor and his wife literally reared me the rest of my, my life. And it was from their home that I came to Bible college. My buddy and I had gone to northern Wisconsin. Somehow Dr. Rice found out about what happened up there and how many had gotten saved and the church had grown by so much within five weekends that we were up there and put an article in the Sword of the Lord about it. Well, Dorothy's pastor in New York State had read the article and he contacted us and said, would you come out here and hold a meeting in our church? And so, we, man, we were excited about it. We went to Dorothy. Dorothy, you won't believe your, your pastor asked us to come speak in the church. Man, this is exciting. This is great. Man, we were thrilled. And uh, she said, while you're there, would you do me a personal favor? We said, well, sure. What, what do you want us to do? She said, would you go visit my mom while you're out there and try to get her saved? Now, Dr. Jorgensen, I'd be a liar if I didn't tell you that I was nervous. I thought, man, maybe she'll throw a knife at me. Maybe she's going to be standing next to her sewing machine when I walk in. I don't, I don't want to be of that woman. That woman's nuts. And we said, all right, Dorothy, if you, you think she'll let us in? She said, I have no idea what she's going to do. She said, I know. Maybe I can, I can write something and, and, and have you take it to her and, and as if you're delivering something. And maybe she'll see you that way. And so she wrote a little card or something, sent it to her mom, and, and gave it to us. And because she wasn't going to go back home that summer, she did not live at home anymore. Matter of fact, when she moved out of the house to go live with the pastor, her two little sisters slipped a note under her door while she was packing and said, we're glad you're leaving. We hate you as much as mom does. We can't wait to get your room. So we got out there. And I said, well, Brother Den, we got to go visit that Dorothy's mom. He said, yep, we got this thing right here to give to her. I said, who's going to do the talking? He said, let's flip a quarter for it. I said, oh, no, brother, I don't flip no quarter. You're doing the talking. He said, no, you do the talking. You're bigger than I am. So we walked up there, knocked on the door, and one of the twin sisters came and opened the door, and we said, uh, my name is Wally Davis. This is Den Carroll. We, we have something here from your sister that she sent back. We're out here in, in the church where she attended and holding a meeting here. And we have something to give your mom. Do, do you th is your mom home? Could we, could we give this to her? And we went in and sat down. Man, I was looking for the butcher knives. I was looking for the straight pins. I was looking for shotguns. I, I, was, looking, I was looking for nunchucks. I was looking for any, you know, I didn't know what, I didn't know what method she was going to kill us. I just knew she was going to kill us. And watching and 
Finally, this hard, hard, hard face, mean-looking woman came walking and said, Yeah, got something for me? We said, Well, yes, ma'am. Uh, we we uh, go to the same college where your daughter attends, and we work. She works in the kitchen, so do we. And uh, she, she, she gave us something that she wanted us to give to you, and uh, we just wanted to deliver it to you. And we handed her the note. She said, Okay, thanks. So I looked at my buddy, and my buddy looked at me, and I looked back at him, and he kept looking at me like, you talk. He didn't, no, I'm not talking. I'm just staring at you. I said, I'm not going to talk. I'm staring at you. <laughs> We're just going to keep staring. Nobody's going to talk. So finally, I, I just couldn't stand it. And I said, ma'am, be, before we leave, would you mind if, if, if we just talk to you about, about one thing for Justin? We won't take up much of your time. I know you're busy. She said, what is it? I said, your daughter is one of the nicest girls I've ever met. She's sweet. She's kind. She's got such a good attitude. She's a hard worker. She does well in school. I said, obviously, you, you've, really, you, you've really helped her form a foundation. And, and we just want to say thank you for, for such a sweet daughter that, that you've let our college have. She looked at me like, yeah, I did do a good job, didn't I? And I said, I, though, though Dorothy did not tell us to say this to you, I said, I, I feel like maybe we wouldn't be doing everything we should do if I didn't just ask you this question. I said, ma'am, and, and please don't take this wrong. What I was really saying, code word is, please don't kill me. I said, if for some reason, maybe a car accident or you set the fire or something. Some reason your your life ended today. Now God forbid that would ever happen, but if for some reason that happened, do you know for sure that you go to heaven or you kind of wonder about that sometimes? And she says, I do wonder about that. And she said, You know, I've been thinking a lot about that. She said, I and she said it said the moment you handed me this 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 card for my daughter. She said, I don't know if you guys know this or not. She said, I'm, I was so mean to her. And she said, you know what? She has never been anything but kind to me. She said, I've done things that you couldn't imagine. And all she did was just be nice to me. She said, you know, I think maybe I do need to hear about how to go to heaven. And I looked over at my friend, and he looked back at me like, okay, I'll talk now. I said, no, I'll talk now. I'm the one that risked my life with the question, you just hush. You're the silent partner. And for the next few moments, we had the joy of sharing the Romans Road plan of salvation with Dorothy's mom and her two sisters. And the three of them bowed together there in their living room and got saved. You say, well, Brother Dave, is that, you know, yeah, you, and, you and Brother Carol obviously had the power of God just, just pouring out of you. No. You know what it was? It was that statement that the mother made that said she was always so kind. You know what? You men are going to go past your churches and you're going to do things. And, and, and people are, you're, you're going you're gonna to be disappointed and folks are going to wrong you. And, and things are going to happen that make you want to blow up and, 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 and sort of stake out your position and just laugh. 
But the Word of God says, Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted. That kindness will set the stage for so many victories in your life. By the way, I know, I don't have to ask, and I don't, I don't have any, any uh, stories in particular, but I know that this year, or over the course of us having a Bible college here, I know that there have been men and women in the dormitories that have sort of gotten together and, 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 and decided you don't want like somebody, and they can't be in your little clique, and they haven't been involved, and they haven't been invited in, and they've been made to feel like they're a second-rate citizen. That's not of God. Show me in the Bible where you're supposed to get with somebody and make someone else feel like they don't measure up to your stature. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't treat us that way? Well, she's not as pretty as I am. In whose eyes? Just because you use a pound of makeup, honey. Well, I was in the sixth grade. We uh, every morning when school began, our teacher would would pray with us. Back in the old archaic days when God had not been outlawed, and then she would always read a a book to us. She would read, uh, I think, five or six pages at a time, and then the next day she'd read more. The next day she'd read more. It was either. Um, it was either the Hardy Boys or the Nancy Drew mystery story. See, the girls always liked the Nancy Drew thing, and the guys liked the Hardy Boys, of course. And uh, then she'd read that, and then we'd go on uh, and, and get on with our classwork. Well, I remember one morning there was, a, there, was a, there was a boy in our school in the sixth grade, and I, I've got to confess to you right up front that I'm just as guilty as everybody else that I'm going to be talking to you about right now. His name was Bill. In the sixth grade, Bill weighed somewhere around 250 pounds or more. And, uh, of course, did not even have the height that went along with him. He was the regular height of a sixth grader, but 250-some pounds. And Bill was never chosen to play on any of our play, playground, kickball or volleyball or dodgeball, no, no one, no one would choose Bill to play. We, we, matter of fact, we would, we, we would uh, just, you know, we don't want you. He'd be the last guy standing there waiting to play, and and the and the the team captain would say, "No, we go on the side. We don't want you here. Go away. Leave." We all just made the assumption, you know, he was just, you know, ate a gallon of ice cream every day and four or five pizzas a day or something. Found out, of course, later that he had a tremendously uh, acute medical condition that, that caused his body to, to be like that. And during Mrs. Auten reading those five or six pages to us at the beginning of class one day, Bill's seat was at the front and the very right next to the door that went out to the hallway. And Bill was there in his seat, and Mrs. Auten had already prayed with us, and now she was reading out of, 
uh, one of those books for us, and Bill raised his hand. And she just ignored him and continued on, on reading. And Bill raised his hand again, and she said, Bill, put your hand down, and continued on reading. Well, he sat there, and he sat there, and he sat there, and finally he raised his hand again. She said, Bill, put your hand down and until I finish the story. He put his hand down, and, he wait, and then finally he just jumped up from his seat and began to run towards the door. And before he could make it to the door, it had become obvious to us why he had been raising his hand. He was, he was, he was ill. And right there in the doorway and at the front of the room, and the most humiliating thing you can imagine, Bill was, was ill. And then, of course, finished there. He just ran out the door. He's humiliated. He's embarrassed. He was ashamed. And Jander came in and all that stuff they have to do. Playground that day. Nobody wants to say, Bill, sorry if you don't feel well. Guys went over to him and began to call him names. One of the guys said, hey, you know what it looked like when you got to look like pig slop? And then one of the guys said, yeah, 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 that's a good name. That, let's just call him pig slop for now. Hey, pig slop! That was on Wednesday. Bill wasn't in school on Thursday, came back to school on Friday. Friday night after school, Bill went home. Bill's dad and his mom, and he had another older brother, they, they ran by themselves a family dairy farm. A lot of hard work. By the way, Bill worked harder than probably any of the rest of us in that class all added together. Hard worker. Had all these chores to do around the farm. Strong fella. And um, before they sat down for supper that night, they'd been out doing their chores. They all had their different things they did. And, and it came time for supper, and dad was there, and the mom was there, and, and Bill's older brother was there. And they looked out, and there was an empty chair where Bill was supposed to be. And the mom said, well, I wonder where Bill is. It's time for supper. And the dad said, you know, maybe he got a little bit behind on chores. Let me go out and help him finish up real quick. We'll, we'll be right back in. And the dad got up, excused himself from the table, went out to the barn where Bill was supposed to be doing some things in there with the cows. and Walked into the barn. He was horrified. He looked up, and there opened beam across the barn, he saw where there was a rope that had been attached there. He saw where there had been a barrel underneath the rope. And he saw where Bill had gotten up on top of that barrel and tied the rope around his neck and then jumped off the barrel and was hanging there by the rope in the middle of his dad's barn. The dad ran over there in a panic lifted him so that the rope would stop choking on his neck and somehow got his knife out and began to cut on the rope and got his boy down. But by the time the authorities got there and the emergency medical people got there, they had said Bill had been dead for some time. He had hanged himself. In his pocket, they found one <clears throat> little note the note simply had two words on it. No friends. No friends. 
Oh, how many times I've thought about over the years. Oh, how many times I've been haunted by those two little words. Because I was a contributor to it. I wonder what would have happened if just somebody would have been his friend. I wonder what would have happened if just somebody... everybody else I'm not going to get together and, and mix all this stuff together and sell it to the stupid guy in college I'm not going to gather together the unpopped popcorn that won't pop and, and tell him it's special and charge him 10 bucks for it sell it to the stupid guy what if somebody just decided you know what uh, I'm going to try to I'm going to try to be nice. I'm going to try to be kind. I'm going to try to be tender-hearted. I'm going, to, I'm going to try to live as a Christian is supposed to live. I don't like it, but I, I know as sure as I'm standing here, I'm talking to people right now that are looking at me this second, and if you had to tell the God's honest truth before a holy God, you haven't been kind. You haven't been tender-hearted. You've got your clique. You've got your cool group. You've got your standards, and this person here better not breathe your same air because they are not worthy. Enjoy a lonely life. Because that's how you'll end up. And who knows how many tragedies will fall along the path as you walk by. The Lord recorded in His Word to people that already loved Him. To people that already were on His side. And the Lord said, Hey, by the way, you guys, those of you that have your doctrine straight, those of you that believe in the virgin birth, those that believe in the bodily resurrection, those that believe in the inerrancy of the Word of God, those that believe that I'm going to come back and receive you unto myself and there shall you remain with the Lord, those that already know all that, you already believe all that stuff, one more little reminder. Why don't you be kind? And why don't you exercise a tender heart one towards another? Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit KNVBC.com for Christian music you can trust.